We are in Yevamos Kuf Tesvav Amebez 115b. As we continue with the Gemara, the Gemara now is going to be discussing basically a side topic. Once we got into the discussion of Simanim, essentially that there were witnesses who witnessed uh, a husband who passed away, but they didn't testify about the fact that we know that this is the husband. Uh, the Gemara explained that they were just uh, explaining to the court that there were certain signs, that there were marks on the body, uh, whatever it is. Uh, certain, certain, they were able to describe the body uh, as as a way of testifying, and then the court said, "You know what? This is this is the person. This is the husband." So they weren't testifying that the husband passed away. They were just testifying about different signs that were on the person, so that. Uh, the court will then decide whether or not it's actually the person. So once we're on the topic, the Gemara sort of goes into a side tangent about um, simanim in general, about when it, are you allowed to use simanim, this idea of uh, just uh, a, a description, giving some sort of description of an object, of a person. This uh, primarily comes up in uh, two cases. It comes up in the case of identifying a body, but it also comes up uh, in various Gemaras about returning lost objects. And when you return a lost object, so the way to find the rightful owner is by the owner uh, describing, giving a description of the object. And uh, there's a whole discussion, not just here, uh, but really elsewhere in a different tractate in Bamutsiya about uh, what what is viewed as a valid form of description that will be able to rely upon that to return it to the rightful owner. Uh, what is not viewed as valid, is it this on a biblical level, is this on a rabbinic level? Uh, in fact, our Gemara will be discussing also not just um, returning a lost object, but even perhaps taking an object away from somebody based on uh, based on uh, a description. And so we'll discuss these these different types of cases. So let's begin. There's a person who left over sesame uh, pl- plants, sesame seeds, with his friend. He says, give it back to me. Uh, I, want to, I want it back. And he says back to him, the friend says back to him, I already gave it back to you. So, but then he says back, but what are you talking about? I, I, I can tell you exactly how much there is. It's, it's such and such amount that there is, and I put it into the barrel. So go check the barrel and see if it's the exact number that I gave you. So he says, even if you want to say um, that it's the same number, but you took your sesame plants back, and this is really uh, new ones. These are other ones in my house. So Rav Chissa says, So Rav Chissa says, so if Chisa says that, just like we said earlier uh, in the last recording about the fact that, that you could use a description of a person uh, to say that these are the people who died uh, and it's viewed as a, as halakhically valid for the wife to get married to somebody else that the husband is really viewed as dead and it's a distinguishing mark, so to over here, this should also be viewed as a distinguishing mark and we should really believe uh, the person who says that these are my sesame seeds. This is my sesame plants. So that's what Rav Chissa says. Amalei Rava. Rava argues and says, No, what are you talking about? Mi dummy. Hasam kamrisimanim. Hacha shimshimi maisimanim isla. He says, Over there, it was, when it, come, when it came to the victims, 
they gave very explicit distinguishing marks over here. What did you give? You just gave what were you identified on as? It was just the Kamar came again. Havion Isrami. He just gave an amount. They just gave an amount of such and such an amount. And, and Tosos, like one of the classic commentators, explains that this was an amount that was not that that, that was viewed as normal. It was uh, it was normal. It was if it was an amount that you know that uh, wasn't normal that uh, was. Uh, was really unique, so then we would believe them. But this was an amount that normally was sold. Normally it was given over. These sesame plants were given over for such and such amount. So you can't bring a proof from there. It wasn't a, a good enough simon. Um, <coughs> some of the commentators, they point out, but let's say he actually gave, like what Tosa says, he gave a, a very unique amount. So then we would, in fact, take the sesame plants away. It's not just that we're turning a lost object, but we would take it away from the current owner, from the person who has it right now, and give it to the other person. So is this a proof to the fact that as long as you give a very good description, so then you would be believed. If you give a very good description, then you should really you should really be believed. Even to take away the item from from the person who currently has it. Uh, and not just to return a lost object. Uh, others want to say that that no, Tosus even here says that the cases where there were witnesses who saw the initial uh, lending, the initial uh, act where uh, the first person gave the sesame plants for the other person to hold on to, they already witnessed it. And so really, these simonim, these, these uh, distinguishable features, would not be sufficient to just take it away from somebody else. Uh, but the case here is such where they're also, in addition to the to the distinguishing features that that were described, there's also witnesses who actually uh, saw the fact that it was originally lent or originally given over. It wasn't a loan, but it was originally given over for him to watch and to guard. Um, so maybe you cannot bring a proof, but it's a very interesting point that elsewhere in the Gemara we're always discussing in terms of monetary issues we're always discussing returning a lost object this is a case where it's not a lost object this is a case where you're trying to remove the object from somebody else and so apparently you would be believed maybe you're only believed because there were witnesses that actually saw the initial time that you gave over the sesame plants to uh, to the person who's holding on to it right now okay the Gemara now goes into uh, a separate question it says Amar Leib Mark Ravashi Markashisha, the son of Chusa, said to Ravashi, "Mi chashin and shemapinon." Are we are we ever concerned uh, that the one guarding it would remove it? Essentially, Rava said that the case here is where uh, he removed all the sesame plants from the barrel, gave it to the to the original person who owned it, who gave it to him, and now what's in the barrel is new stuff. So are we are we ever concerned that we'll ever replace things that are in the barrel? Vatnan, but we have a Mishnah which says, kuf. If you have a vessel and it has the kuf on it for korban, that, that it's designated for a sacrifice. Mem, which is designated for miser. Deles is dimua, tes, tevel, tav, truma. These are different. You write a letter on it to signify that this is this is uh, designated for uh, a specific uh, type of produce, whether it's for truma, which is given to the kohanim, or other produce, or for a korban, for sacrifice. So, if you find such a such a vessel, if you find such a such a kli, so it says that the reason why it says tav is because 
Uh, it could be that during times of danger, during religious persecution, they couldn't write truma out because truma is clearly identifiable as a, as a religious uh, symbol. So they they wrote it in shorthand. They just wrote the letter instead of the whole wor- word, and it's it's uh, designated as such. We're not concerned that you're going to take it out. That you took it out, and then something new is in there. We we assume that that's what it is. Uh, so Amalei Ravina Ravasha Ravina says to Ravasha, "What are you talking about? Of course, we're concerned that." Uh, we, we, we assume that sometimes you take it out because of the, of the rest. You have to read the rest of it. Rabiosi says, Let's say, let's say it actually even says the words truma on it, that this is food which is designated to, to the Kohen. We don't assume that there's truma inside. Why? If you find something that just says truma on it, it doesn't mean that there's actually truma inside of it. Uh, just because the, 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 the pot, the vessel says truma on it, no, we assume that you took the truma out and then there's something new in here. This is something which you just found. So Rabiosi is clearly of the opinion that you could just replace. And so too by us, in our case that we're discussing, you replace the sesame plants, you put in new sesame plants. That's what we're talking about here. So we say, We are concerned. Even the first opinion says that we're concerned. It's not just Rabiosi. All opinions say that we are concerned that maybe uh, they move around the contents of the container. Uh, but what's the difference here? Why is it that the first opinion says that we're not concerned? That we assume it's true, and the second opinion says not? Because Marsava Isa de Pinahu Mechbar have a kafar. One opinion says um, that if if you really remove the truma, you would have erased the inscription. You would have erased it, uh, and so therefore the fact that there's an inscription there means that you kept it in there. As opposed to our case, that there's no inscription whatsoever. You took out the contents. You put new contents in. It's not an issue. But uh, the other opinion says, Vida Chabiosi says, Emar Ishtuli Ishtali, Nami Lapan Chod Shavke. No, sometimes you forget to do so. You took out the contents and you forget to take off the Truma tag. Or maybe you even left it on there. Perhaps you left it on there so that other people won't go ahead and take it. It's really your own stuff. If you put on there Truma, nobody's going to go ahead and take it. If you're not a Kohen, it has no purpose for you. You wouldn't steal it. We're assuming that some people would steal, but they wouldn't steal Truma. They wouldn't steal food that's given to the Kohen. Uh, so you put on truma there, not because it's actually truma, but because you just don't want people to take it away from you. And so in the end of the day, uh, that based on this whole discussion, we really, we do think and, and, and we assume that the contents are constantly taken out, new contents are put inside, and uh, even perhaps, uh, according to one opinion, according to Rubiosi, even if it says on it truma, uh, it doesn't mean that there's actually truma inside of it. It could be that you just forgot to take off. At one point in time, there was truma inside of it, but not anymore. Um, and you forgot to take it off the label, or perhaps you want the label on there so that other people don't take it. But in the end of the day, we we do assume that uh, you, it's possible to take it out and put new, th- new things back in. Okay, so that is the first discussion of simonim, of distinguishable marks. And again, we, we had in the first case, we had of the body. Then we had an, an amount, a certain amount of sesame plants. And so now we're going to come on to a, another case. And this is the following case. Yitzchak Reish Galusa Bar of Bibi. There was Yitzchak who was the Reish Galusa. Uh, there's a whole discussion whether it means that he was really the, the head, he was the, the, the head of the, uh, uh, of, of the community. Reish Galusa is referring to the head of the community. If he was really the head of the community, it would be difficult because then they, they usually traveled with uh, many people together. But it could be that he was he was some head head leader or some community leader, who was the son of the sister of Rav Bibi. He was Rav Bibi's nephew. Have a Someone to say that this is referring to Spain, 
and that there were Jews already from the Talmud in Spain. This could be uh, one of the sources for that idea that there were already Jews living in Spain during the times of the Talmud. And so he was traveling. And on his way of traveling, he died. And Shalchum Ehasim, they said from over there, Yislech, Reish Galusa, Bar'achtei, Jerobibi, Havakazim, Mikurtava, Laspamia, Vishachim. They say that this person, Yislech, the nephew of Bibi, he died on the way while he was traveling. So the question is, so we don't have any distinguishable marks on the body. That's not the case. The case here is, is a name alone a sufficient description? A name alone. Would that be viewed as a sufficient description? Uh, at least in the times of the Gemara. So the Gemara says, Are we concerned that there's another person who has the same exact name? Yitzchak, who's the nephew of, of somebody named Bibi. Are we, are we concerned for that idea or not? Um, so again, th- there's a, a lot to discuss here. Uh, have, have we already established in the community uh, that there are multiple people with the same name? Uh, presumably not. If, if we've already established that, so then we, we would be concerned. Uh, is this a, is, if, if he's the only person in the community, so perhaps it's a case where uh, there's a lot of traveling going on in that community. If there's no traveling whatsoever, and he's the only person who has that name, so there's a good chance that we'll just assume that that's the person. Uh, but if there's a lot of traveling going on, so maybe that's where the question comes up. So you have to know all the details in the case. You can't just say, are we concerned for two names? You have to know, have we already established that there's other people with the same name? Is there a lot of traveling going on? There's a lot of different factors to consider. But Abai Amar Chashi, you know, Rabbi Amar Lo Chashi and Rabbi says, yeah, we're concerned for another person with the same name, so we cannot allow the wife to get married to somebody else. Rabbi says, we're not concerned, and it's the same. It, once you give me the name, it's that Yitzchak. So the Gemara now, uh, for the remainder of this Gemara, uh, will try to, Abai will try to prove where he's coming from, that we are concerned that there's another person, and Rabbi will try to bring a proof uh, to where he's coming from to say that we're not concerned, and we'll see how each one deals with the other person's proof. So, Amar Bai, Mina, Mina, La. How do I know where I'm coming from? Because we have the following story. There was a certain get, a divorce document, which was found in the city of Nardai. Bitsad, Colonia, and it said as follows. Bitsad, Colonia, Masa. Um, on the colonial side of the city. Anna, Androlinai, Naharda. I Angelinai of Narada, Pitaris Vitsarichis Yas Plonis Intsichi. I divorced my wife. I divorced my wife. Vishalhua Vudishmol Kamedra Bihuda Nisia, Ushalachlay, and the father of Shmuel sent to Rabbi Huda, Tibadek Linardai Kula. He uh, sent the following question uh, to Rabbi Huda about whether or not uh, all we saw was the divorce document. We assume it's the people that, that we know. Um, but all we, the only the only proof that we have is the names. So could we just give it back to the person we know who has that name? So he sent this question, and his response was: You have to examine throughout Nardai. Is there another person with the same name? You have to look into it. So Abaye says we see from the story that we have to be concerned for another person with the same name. We are concerned. So what does Rava say? Rava says no. Very important point that Rava says. Why is he asking specifically about Nardai? You have to check the entire world. Go look throughout the entire world. Look into, uh, why, why are you limiting it to that particular city? Maybe there's somebody with the same name who was from Nardai, who moved elsewhere, and, and it belongs to him. Just because he says that he's from Nardai originally, it doesn't mean that he didn't move. So you have to check more than Nardai. So why did, why did he say this to check in Nardai? He only said this not because he actually thinks it's true. 
But it's because he thought that the question wasn't even a question, but he didn't want to embarrass the father of Shmuel. He didn't want to embarrass him. And so therefore, he gave him an answer saying, just look into her die. Not because he actually believed in the answer, but because he wanted to show respect to the question, which is a very important point, um, even though it could be misleading. So you have to take that into consideration also. Uh, but uh, when uh, when anybody's asked a question, and specifically here in the context of asking a rabbi a question, uh, so you have to be very careful not to embarrass the person who's asking the question, to, to make sure that they feel respected, that it's not a, not viewed as a as, a, as a, a dumb question. And so therefore, you have to respond in a way where you take it really seriously. There are stories of rabbis who are asked questions that really they don't you know they they don't require. Uh, that much halachic analysis. It's uh, pretty simple, but they'll take the time to, to pretend like they're looking it up just to give respect uh, to, the, to the person who's asking the question so that they know that they're asking a good question so that they could come back with more questions. They don't feel embarrassed to ask. And so the Rav says that's, that's exactly what happens here. He responded in a way that says, go look up the rest of Naradai, not because he actually believed in it, but because he wanted to show respect to the person who asked the question. Okay, that's all from the perspective of Abayi. What about Rava? What's Rava's proof to the fact that we're not concerned for somebody else with the same name, that we could assume it's the person that we're dealing with? I'm a Rava, I'm not, what's my proof? Because of the following story. There were two shtaros, two documents uh, that came from Mechuza, uh, and it said in it, and they had certain names on it as the uh, the creditors, they had their names on it Vaibu Rava Baravua Zuze and uh Rabba Baravua he collected from them for them with the with these notes. He he collected for them with the with, with those notes. Uh but the names are pretty common names. Maybe there are other people there, but he wasn't worried about this. Why wasn't he worried about this? So because once we have their names and 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 they're they're in front of us, so we'll assume they they're claiming that this is theirs. So then we'll give it back to them. Names are sufficient for a description. What about a buyer? What does a buyer say back? If a buyer a buyer responds back that that case is different. That case is different. What are we concerned about in this case? That uh, of course that uh, this belongs to them. If we're concerned that it was dropped from the original person who who really is deserves to be paid back, and the other person picked it up, so no. If it's really uh if it's a note that he's owed money, he's not going to drop it. He's, he's not going to be careless and, and just drop this star. He's not going to drop this document where the other person will then pick it up. But so it, it can't be that if we're discussing uh, a loan that he'll just drop it. Ilipikadon. If he gave the document, what are we concerned for? That maybe he gave this document to the other person to hold on to, just uh, to safeguard it? Nobody would do that. No, people, if you have the same exact name, don't give them a document of a loan to that person to hold on to, just, uh, just to guard. That doesn't make, you wouldn't do that, right? So my armor is Dilma Masterlay. And what are you going to say? That maybe he gave him the document to say, listen, maybe they had a deal that, you now collect um, this loan. I'm giving this to you. Maybe you'll you'll pay me something, and I'll give you this document to then collect this loan. So that works. Osios this Mimsira. So fine, let him collect it. The case here is where it has their names on the document, and the people with the names are holding on to the document. 
They're actually holding on to the document. It's not that it's just lost. They're holding on to the document. So in that case, yes, we'll assume that the people that are holding on to the document and, and the document has their names, even though there are many name, people with the same names in that city, we'll assume that it's that it's theirs because they're holding on to it because we're not going to be concerned for anything else. We're not going to be concerned that they dropped it accidentally. We're not concerned that they're going to give it to somebody else with the same name because nobody would do that. And we're not concerned if let's say they gave it to somebody else to say you now collect from it. That's fine. That's not a problem. Let the other person now collect from it. So if you're holding on to it and it has your name on the document and it's your name, even though other people in the city have the same name, a buyer is going to say that's not comparable to any case that we're discussing. A buyer says that we're discussing a case where you're not holding on to it. We're discussing a case where we're trying to figure out who the owner is. Uh, like in the case of the get, the, the divorce document, it dropped and we were trying to figure out who the owner is. So he says back to Ravi, you can't bring me a proof from that case. Uh, and Rava says, no, I could bring a proof because in the end of the day, there are multiple people with the same name. So we see we're not concerned. Uh, so that's the whole back and forth. And again, this is all about the simon, the giving the description of a name. So, so far we had descriptions about uh, a person, the desc- describing a person. We had description of, about an amount. And now we have a desc- about uh, the name. Is the, Would the name be sufficient or would it not be sufficient? So we'll continue in this discussion uh, in the next recording.